Can a concrete jungle transform itself to become a green, integrated, sustainable, and equitable city? This week on Pod Parks, we are exploring how Medellin, Colombia is doing just that. We are joined by Jorge Perez Jaramillo, advisor for the government of Antioquia, Colombia. Jorge has been closely involved in Medellin's exemplary but continuing journey to redefine what it means to live in an urban environment. We discuss public participation, city transformations, and how Medellin's 30-year transformation process has come about, and how it's now attempting to redefine itself through its parks. I'm Alice Landon, and this is Podparks. Podparks, the podcast for the park-minded, brought to you by World Urban Parks. Welcome to Pod Parks, a podcast by World Urban Parks. I am Alice Landon, and we are recording live from the World Urban Parks Conference 2022 in Monterrey, Mexico. With me is Jorge Perez Jaramillo, advisor for the government of Antioquia from Medellin, Colombia. Jorge, thank you so much for being here. I'm very glad to be here. I'm very happy to participate in the Congress and to visit Monterrey. Jorge, you have had a very rich trajectory through the urban planning and parks field. So before we dive deep into our questions, I would love for people to know more about you. So tell us more about your trajectory in urbanism and the parks profession. Well, I'm an architect. I was born and have lived all my life in Medellin, and I was uh, uh, very uh, easily engaged with uh, public spaces and parks matters as far as I have lived in Medellin, and as many people most know, we were uh, living in a very difficult times, many difficult times, and many difficult conditions in Medellin for many, many years, especially because of the process of urbanization, the crisis of the economy, and then the conflicts about drug traffic and violence that made our my city almost an inviolable society. And uh, since I was, uh, an architect in 1999, I started to work both in the university and my private practice, and very soon in public matters. Uh, in the beginning of uh, this century, I was uh, deputy planner of the Metropolitan Authority in Medellin, and this institution is also the environmental authority of the of the region. And later, I became the chief planner of Medellin. In both roles, I have been a promoter of uh, the transformation through planning and through urbanism and building infrastructures of the public uh, space and the territory of my city. So uh, I've been part of many people, uh, groups, teams, big staffs of people working to uh, promote a better city and a better society. So that's my, my, the reason why I became in, involved in, in, in parks. And as you mentioned, Medellin has undergone a very important transformation in the past couple of decades. I would even suggest that it has been an example, not only for Latin America, but worldwide, of this new sustainable and habitable city. And you have been an integral part of it. So what are some of the key pieces or processes that have led to to 
this new Medellin or, or this process of creating a Medellin that is habitable and to, for it to really become a city for parks and a city for people? Well, the first thing I would like to say is that even though Medellin, as you have said, it uh, has become a kind of a poster child for cities in the hmm. world, it must be said that there are many, many challenges that prevail, and uh, it is not in, in any sense a city that has done everything well. But if uh, one thinks about the place where we were in the, uh, by the end of the 80s, it's true that uh, the process is amazing, and the, and the way we have overcome many conflicts and problems is uh, it's su successful in many levels. What, what I would say is very important is that we have um, uh, a strong tradition for planning. We have a strong community and strong capital, social capital about uh, planning, engineering, uh, territorial studies, and things like that. Uh, and uh, that has been a very helpful tool to transform and to react in, during the crisis. The other thing is the emergency of democracy. Uh, for many people it's not known that Colombia didn't have local and regional democracy until 1998. So wow. for the first time we have, in the midst of the crisis, the opportunity to, co to, to build together the processes for transformation. So. Uh, the combination of new democratic development with crisis became a very powerful um, excuse for all the stakeholders, all the leaders of our society to, to understand that we must build together the future. So we started a very democratic and participatory process uh, by the beginning of the 90s. Uh, in the same years where Escobar was attacking the whole society. So it was a combination of resilient uh, attitude and a very um, uh, yeah, strong uh, reaction of the society telling the, the problems, we are here and we yeah. are going to, to succeed. So during the 90s and the beginning of the century, this uh, new democracy became the tool. I, I like to say that the social dialogue with the creation of institutions of policies and new projects uh, through planning became the most powerful tool we have used. And uh, one must say that uh, Medellin has become a kind of laboratory of uh, planning, urbanism, and new infrastructures for public life. As the Major Aníbal Gaviria used to say, we have been working for a long time trying to build a city for life. I think it, it's so interesting what you say. And one of the things that we have talked about in many other of our previous interviews is how, yes, planning comes a lot of the times from the government, from private entities, from NGOs, but public participation and you know neighborhood acceptance of these new projects is a key integral part of it. So how do you think these new democratic processes played into the public perception of parks and the and and of you know city building as a whole for many for many people in my city having a park was a kind of unimaginable thing yeah. because we didn't have the structure of a of a, uh, integral uh, urban development for all most of the people more than half of our population 
li still lives in barrios, in neighborhoods that grown up as informal settlements done by the people by themselves without enough planning and services from the institutional level of the government. So <clears throat> some of the thing uh, of the main things that we have developed is this is a strategy called upgrading barrios that started by the end of the ages and has become a kind of um, a particular uh, capacity developed together with the people, with the institutions, with the uh, universities and with the public institutions to upgrade these barriers through uh, complex processes of uh, reurbanization. It's uh, very uh, it's not simple, but it's uh, based upon simple solutions. Okay. It's quite complex, but done with the participatory simple activities and, and, and interventions done together with the people. And after that, this has been part of the policies. So the general planning of the cities has in, included the participatory processes as a main thing. Since 1996, with the support of the universities they, uh, in the city, we created the participatory planning of Medellin, which is a policy that obligates every mayor to have uh, discussions and uh, uh, strategic participation of the communities to decide what the investments and the development goals will be in every barrio and every neighborhood. So it's a quite complex thing to explain in a short time, but it's. Uh, but, but I am completely sure that is the bay, the the main thing that is behind the successful projects we have developed. A lot of the times, participation is thought of but a bit of, as, as an afterthought or as you know a, a little pat on the back that the government is doing the right thing and not necessarily as a true integral part of creating a city right so i think it's so interesting that you mentioned how it has become a basic policy for everything you do and how that has led to the success of medellin and what is positive about that it's that it combines the participation in terms of uh, knowledge the access to knowledge uh, when you integrate the people that comes from the universities, the people that comes from the institutions and the communities, there's a big knowledge co-created. Then you understand that democracy is not only the elections day, and democracy is a permanent process to build your future together. And the third one is that it also it is also related to transparency and uh, and accountability because when you have these kind of processes with participation with democratic planning you understand that you have the the right but also the obligation to be part of the solution so even though when you're criticizing the processes and i've been working from the institutional level so i'm, I'm i have been involved in the against the critics yeah and you understand that you respect the critics because you also realize that they are trying to contribute from their knowledge and from their necessities uh, to your job so it's it's uh it's it's been a long way understanding and learning a lot one to, from me from each other and building together a better city for all i love that it Definitely, that is the reason why it is a poster child for cities in Latin America and across the world. Now, I want to talk a little bit more about the Great Park. So you have led the development plan for 
many of Medellin's great parks, I want to talk specifically about Parques del Rio. So this park is considered to be one of the city's largest urban projects. It consists of over 185 kilometers of pathways and 100,000 trees as a goal to be planted. It has also been one of the many great examples to come out of the city of Medellin for the entire world to see. Walk us through this mega project that is Parques del Rio. How did it come to exist? And what do you think are the biggest challenges that were or are still being faced in its creation? Well, it, it's actually the most important project uh, I have ever uh, seen in, in, in my job because it's not a project. It's a strategy. I okay. think the project is like um, uh, 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 a strategy in terms of it, it, it comes from the the river basin completely integrated from the mountains to the little streams and then to the main river, trying to understand how you can uh, connect the ecological uh, ecosystems and uh, and also how you can contribute to recover the green areas and the greenlands that still exist. But also it works about urbanization because it's in the middle of the city. It is a, a completely transformed uh, uh, landscape that needs to recover the relation with the water, with the forests, and with the green area. So, well, we started to work in the in the main general plan of the city as a continuity of the f uh, existing tradition of planning in, in Medellin, and we realized that we could have recover the river from being just a place for trains and cars and trucks and machines, only a functional uh, line along the valley, to um, realize that it could be ag again the heart of the city. Medellin was built upon a city, uh, upon a, a small river that was uh, free on the flat areas. And uh, since 1950, it became channelized and re uh, surrounded by highways and uh, uh, railway tracks and so on. And the city was on both sides, a divided city, a city that could not be connected for pedestrians and for the people, only through machines like cars. So the idea was to connect the city, to reintegrate the city, but also to understand the possibility of the river as a landscape. Connecting, connecting the river through the streams, through linear parks. That was an idea that started from the 50s, but it didn't have enough continuity. And then to recover the water and to recover the borders of the river as public spaces. So, sorry to interrupt here. Was the river in the 50s or in this process of urbanization what you would call a Rio Vivo, a live river? Or was it like the one we have here in Monterrey that sees its its seasons of water and then it's a channelized empty lot for the no, rest of the year. It was so sad because the the, the river was a sewage channel oh. for the whole metropolitan area. So it was completely polluted. So it is a combination of processes. River parks is the last uh, uh, step we did, but oh. we started through the sanitation program from the city. It started by the beginning of the 90s, and uh, we created an institution called Instituto Mi Rio. We created taxes through the Colombian law to have enough money, enough budget to uh, finance the uh, 
sanitation process of the river. And after three, 30 years of uh, continuity of the programs through the uh, Empresas Públicas de Medellín, EPM company, the river is on around 70, 75, 80% of uh, uh, quality of water recovering. But it is a long way to go, but it's becoming better and better. And, uh, and the challenge was, okay, now that we are starting to recover the water, what will we do, what will we do with, the, with the environment around? And we created this, uh, this uh, river parks project through the planning process. The planning process includes the re redensification of the surrounding areas, attracting people. More than 120,000 new homes are expected to be built in the next 10, 20 years. And the idea is that is a combination of planning, landscaping, and participatory processes to create this project. The, the, the plan was uh, discussed and uh, approved from 2012 until 2015. Then we developed the master planning uh, simultaneously through an international competition. And so it's a combination of very complex processes. And for a city like Medellin, which is not a, a rich, powerful economy, it is a very challenging one. And the other thing that was very complex was to uh, agreed with the politicians and with the leaders about the necessity and the importance of the transformation of the river areas. Many people, many people was happy with the project. Mainly, the, the, the most of the society was mainly happy with the project. But you know, we are also living the times of populism and demagogic, and some politicians use the oppositions the opposition against the project to try and to stop that. And, and they succeed for a while. In 2016, after our government, uh, the new mayor uh, suspended the master plan. Okay. So we're fighting against that and we keep on working on that. And the project is going on slowly, but going on. And now what we are doing with the uh, former mayor, Aníbal Gaviria, who is the governor, it's exporting the idea to another municipalities in the region. So now we have the what we call a municipal river parks program uh, supported by the governor's office with the mayors of every municipality and we have around 14 15 new new river parks programs in small and intermediate municipalities in the region so it's it's becoming a force this idea of uh, recovering rivers and recovering uh, cities with rivers is a fantastic challenge it is it is and i think one of the main challenges within that big challenge is that we have um, come to see again and again in Latin America is the temporality of government officials. So, for example, in Mexico, in a lot of Latin America, um, many of the, of the local elected officials last three, four, five years. How, does, how do we ensure that a project that, as you say, has taken 30, 40 years and that will take another 30, 40 years for its completion. How do, how do we make it persist in the face of such temporal and, and fast-changing local governments? Yeah, we have this problem in Latin America and some other places that we don't have con con continuity with, with, with the... Um, 
leaders of the programs of, and the projects. So that's why we need participation, yeah. because we need to involve and to engage the communities with the programs and with the plans. And second, I think it's uh, uh, we need to create a new culture uh, about the importance of urban development, trying to realize that is the most challenging problem humanity is facing. Uh, this week, we have the new that we have 8 billion people living in this planet that is uh, complex enough as yeah. a reality to understand and to realize that both climate change, equity, and other kind of problems that we are facing can only be solved through the leadership of mayors and public institutions in our municipalities. So my idea is that the only possibility we have to transform into better conditions the quality of life of most of the people of this planet is understanding the integrality of planning, and that includes the creation of complex programs like the uh, parks, because parks are the basic solution for many, many of the problems that human beings beings yeah. have. One must understand that the expectancy of life that we are having, which is a very positive new, will provide us more time in this planet to share and uh, create and live, and that needs a space. And the space is in the public areas and parks and public spaces are just one thing together. And we speak a lot about parks for people and it is at the end of the day one of the main reasons we make parks, right? But what do you think have been the impacts of parks, of, of this particular park, of Parques del Rio, in the city, especially not only for its people but for the natural environment as well? Well, the, the ecological connectivity is uh, increasingly seen as a value for the project. And uh, when, you sh when you look at the conditions, the living conditions of the communities that are around, they, all, all, they are all the time saying, this is fantastic. And I can remember that in the, in the middle of the uh, process, some of the community leaders of uh, El Barrio Conquistadores that is besides the first uh, phase of the project, they were opposition for the for, for because they were uh, in the middle of uh, the discussion with lies and these demagogic uh, ideas yeah. from some politicians. So were they were afraid? They actually were afraid, and they even asked to have a wall between the park and the barrio. Okay. It was crazy. We, I think we're so afraid of other people and of sharing our space. They, were, they were afraid of uh, the, the delinquents yeah. and the violence and the con security conditions, but also the maintenance and also the, well, all the problems. Everything. That, yeah. And now they are so happy. You, you see that even though we, didn't ha we haven't had enough uh, leadership by the major's office and, th and so on, the park is... Uh, very successful. Many institutions, private, public, and social institutions are promoting events in the middle of the park. And uh, now it's impossible to make a, 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 a democratic proposal for the future of the city without talking about the River Park's continuity. So now I think we have uh, the expectancy to see that the project is going on and it will become the main strategy 
to develop Medellin in the future. Now let's talk about mobility. So with mounting pressures of climate change and a documented need to, to steer away from car-centric cities, from car culture and car dependency, parks are becoming the center of attention for their actions, not only as a space for people to, to occupy, to be in, but also as corridors for people to move through and to will serve as, as their, new, their new highways, right? So how has Parques del Rio undertaken this new role that parks are having to, to take? That was one of the main uh, uh, priorities for the project, understanding that the, the valley is a very complex one as it's a crossroads from the region. So the pressure uh, by the mobility systems that comes from the regions, from the nation, and even though and even from inside, uh, makes the, the river the, the main structure of, uh, to promote a better mobility for the society. So besides the parks, besides the public spaces for the people, there are um, mobility systems, very complex mobility systems, that includes a new train, we call it Tren del Rio, train of the river, which is the um, uh, complement complementation of the metro system. Then we have the network of bike lanes that includes the uh, objective to have 400 kilometers of uh, uh, bike lanes around the center of the town, or of the valley. And then we also include the possibility to have pedestrians that can walk and cross the river for the first time in our history. So this is a, it's a basic com, uh, component of the project, uh, what we call mobility. But also, uh, as I have said before, the plan of the, the general plan of the city is integrated completely yeah. to the river park system. So we transform the what we call the pyramid of mobility to prioritize in the first level non-motorized mobility. So the park is basic. Without the river parks project, it is impossible to have the continuity between both borders and to connect the whole city for pedestrians and bike lanes. So, well, mobility is a basic, basic uh, and very structural and functional thing for the for the city through the river park solution. What do you think? What is your advice for cities and regions that are also in dire need of mega projects and big strategies to improve their green infrastructure? Um, I just don't know where to start. I think good planning. I think good planning with the integration of uh, complex multidisciplinary teams. Uh, and the integration of the universities and labs from researchers and so on, but also with participation. Then understanding that uh, parks and projects are just a component of a more comprehensive thing that is the general plan of the city. And also thinking about the time and, uh, and long-term vision as a basic thing. If you want to transform a problem, a complex problem like a city, you need time. And it will take more than years, decades of continuity, of leadership and shared vision together with all the stakeholders. So some generosity is needed to think about the future of the cities. A lot of patience too. Generosity, patience and uh, fairness. 
and transparency and <laughs> a lot of other things yes. and money a, a lot of money and that's important we use the planning systems to create the funding for the project because the real estate sector will pay a okay. lot of taxes and, uh, and resources to build the park because if you want to create a good business in the real estate sector you have to create a good environment and a good environment means a good city and a good city means a good society and so on. So it's a virtuous circle of planning. Of course. I think that's something that we have seen a lot in Latin America. This new um, interest from the private sector, especially from the development sector, to create parks, to create public spaces, to aid the city in the creation of these connected mm-hmm. corridors because they are finally realizing that, you know, building a, a very big apartment complex just does not cut it anymore and people want a place to live and a place to experience. Yeah, and something which is amazing for us is to understand that a better city also builds a better economy. Of course. So equity, social investment, social inclusions are concepts that are needed to be understood if you want to have a stronger economy. Of course. Um, Now we are almost out of time, but before we wrap up, I'm going to ask you a bit of a trick question because I know there's no one answer to this. But from your personal and professional experience, what do you think is the biggest benefit a park can provide for the people and the planet? Health, happiness, and that's enough. If you understand that cities are the place what most of the people in this world is living, 80% of Latin Americans are already living in cities. You have to understand that happiness and health, healthy living, healthy, health, healthy lives are only possible through the construction of good cities with parks. I love that answer. Well, thank you so much. We have unfortunately run out of time, but before we wrap up, I would like to know where can people find more of what you do? Where can people find the work that your organization does, um, the work that the government of Medellin is doing, and how can people reach out? Well, uh, we have a website uh, that we call mdeurbanlab.com. It's, um, it's my organization now, uh, but uh, we also have uh, the websites from the government, uh, antioquia.gov gov.co antioquia.gov.co and uh, uh, medellin is medellin.gov gov.co medellin.gov.co and then you have enough information as in uh, open systems and finally we did not get a chance to talk about it, and I hope we have a second podcast to talk all about your books. But where can people buy your books? Well, I think uh, the main one is Medellin Urbanismo y Sociedad. It was published by Editorial Turner in, in Mexico and Spain. So I think in whole Latin America, I'm not sure if, the, if, if there are enough books <laughs> because uh, we are lucky that most of the of the first edition is completely sold. But yeah, I, I'm also working in the second edition, but in English, a new one uh, for the next year. But uh, hopefully, there will be on the net. Perfect. Well, you heard it here first. Go and grab your the very last copies of the book available. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, thank you again so much for joining us. This has been Pod Parks. Jorge, it has been a great honor to be here with you. We hope to see you again soon. Hope so. Thank you, and it's my honor as well. This is the end of today's episode, but as always, never, never the end of the conversation. Now, this week, we are nearing two things. The end of this season of Pod Parks and the upcoming Global Parks Congress. So if you want to know more about either of these two events, first of all, subscribe to our podcast so you can tune in to all of our episodes, old and new, and you can keep up with our season wrap-up as well as our upcoming seasons. And visit worldurbanparks.org to tune in to some of our previous Global Parks Congress sessions and gear up for next week's grand event. See you in Adelaide. Pod Parks is written and hosted by Alice Landon, produced by Vittoria Martin and Luis Romano, sound engineering by Vladimir Yanis. Don't forget to visit worldurbanparks.org and explore the resources our community has for you. Get out, explore, connect.